Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this conversation with the CIO. My name is Ahmed Riesgo, CIO at Insignio. Um, so we're going to have these chats with you periodically, especially during times of high market stress. So uh, just, you know, I'm going to be speaking for about 15 minutes and then I'll reserve the final 15 for a Q&A. So if you have any questions that you'd like to ask me uh, directly, I'll be happy to answer them here live. Uh, please submit them via the chat and I'll get to them as soon as I finish my prepared remarks. So I'm going to start uh, today's session with a quote. Uh, by the famed investor, American investor, Warren Buffett, the CEO and chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. Um, he says that the most important quality for an investor is temperament, not intellect. And a lot of that, or a lot of the themes encapsulated in that quote, I'm gonna uh, address them during this whole piece here. So obviously this year so far has been a very trying time for investors with virtually nowhere to hide from tumultuous markets. Uh, most financial assets have been roiled, I would say by three simultaneous sources of uncertainty, uh, the Chinese COVID lockdowns, the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine, and hawkish surprises to the path of monetary policy around the world. The MSCI All Country World Index uh, and the S&P 500 have both fallen sharply and they have flirted with bear market territory. In fact, on the last day of trading in April, the U.S. index broke below a level that had served as soft support for the trading range established since the Russian invasion back in February. Consequently, as you can all imagine, markets have suffered or suffered some technical damage that could take some time to unwind. Not surprisingly, investor sentiment has turned extremely negative. Um, if you look at the American Association of Individual Investors, bearish inclination levels are approaching levels uh, or really the worst readings we've seen in 30 years. Uh, and keep in mind, this is a period that encompasses not only the COVID-19 pandemic, but also includes the global financial crisis. But in a sense, you know, volatility in equity markets is it's more commonplace. It's more to be expected. Uh, but it's been the precipitous fall in bond prices around the world that have most unnerved investors uh, with their so-called safe havens or the ballast in their blended portfolios really not delivering the promised cushion in times of stress. Uh, because of the nascent inflationary environment that is likely to persist over the next few years, uh, we declared during our April quarterly call that the 40-year bond bull market in U.S. Treasuries that began in 1981 probably ended in March of 2020 uh, when rates hit historic lows during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the sudden reopening of the global economy in the midst of still disrupted supply chains and Ukrainian conflict have really turbocharged the sell-off to dizzying levels since then. Since that date, uh, since March, 20, March 2020, a constant duration 30-year U.S. Treasury bond has delivered an astonishing negative 50% total return. As an aside, we have now turned actually tactically neutral long duration assets like the long bond, given the magnitude of the sell-off and the sort of the unfolding inflationary landscape and expect at least a pause in the structural bear market, which obviously we still think has a way to go. Uh, but unsurprisingly, like I said, people are becoming despondent and fearful. To comprehend why this high level of fear, and really it's opposite to greed, is, is so frequently a powerful contrarian signal really requires some understanding of human psychological and cognitive biases uh, because those same evolutionary adaptations 
that made us, especially pro-social primates, work against us uh, when it comes to market behavior. Um, we seek validation from others. We follow crowds uh, and we watch what others are watching. These traits all work well in the natural world and thus natural selection pressures reinforce them among human beings. But they also make us less, less successful investors uh, um, and inventors too, by the way. Uh, but the more market goes up, the more people want to buy it. A successful investor would be buying less or outright selling. Uh, conversely, the more market falls, people want to sell it even more. A successful investor would be selling less or even net buying. Uh, one final point before we delve into the fundamentals that really are what should dictate whether we should be following the recent trend or fading it. It's worth pointing out the distinction between risk and volatility, um, as they are not the same and people often confuse them and switch them up rather handedly. Risk is the permanent loss of capital. Unfortunately for investors, this relates to not only events in the future, uh, but they're also not measurable. Risk is not measurable. Uh, this unknown obviously is most pertinent or most important, I should say, with respect to individual securities that could fall to zero, right? Where the potential permanent loss of capital is possible and unknown. But on the other hand, volatility is a temporary fluctuation in price, and it is measurable. We use standard deviation. Investments can be volatile without being risky, and high volatility does not necessarily mean high risk. Just how low volatility doesn't necessarily mean low risk. Um, investors have learned that the hard way over the years. Uh, for investors with a short-term horizon or a poor understanding of their own volatility tolerance, this important distinction between risk and volatility is less meaningful. Why? Because volatility can cause permanent capital loss if it makes an investor sell an investment following a temporary drop in price. This is precisely why one should never invest in highly volatile assets or markets if one has either A, intolerance for volatility, or B, high liquidity needs. It's important to remember that markets are forward-looking, so we must always ask ourselves what the global economy will look like in the future and not what it looks like today. As you know, as long-term investors, we construct our asset allocation firmly rooted on macroeconomic and market fundamentals. For that, we rely heavily on our proprietary insignia forefront recessionary indicator, which gives us the probability of a U.S. recession over the next six months. So what is our recessionary indicator signaling today? Let's see the graph, please. As this graph demonstrates, it's telling us that the probability of a recession in the U.S. in the next six months is still incredibly low, hovering below 10%. Um, U.S. growth is slowing and showing signs of late-stage dynamics of the economic cycle, which means that recessionary probabilities could become and should become a significant risk in 2023. But currently, the U.S. consumer remains pretty buoyant thanks to incredibly robust private balance sheets that are offsetting the squeeze in real income caused by higher inflation. On the corporate side, CapEx should be buttressed by elevated levels of company cash and a still generous spread between the real return on invested capital and the real weighted average cost of capital, which is still quite positive that spread is. However, the sector of the U.S. economy that looks particularly vulnerable right now is the housing sector, where skyrocketing mortgage rates have made the average monthly cost 
of the median U.S. home 50% more expensive than it was just a year ago. It is worth noting, however, that our recessionary indicator incorporates over 50 input series that capture all facets of the U.S. economy, including housing. Uh, and finally, the statistical confidence of our model two quarters out based on past data is 81%. That's the pseudo R squared, to be more technically precise. This means that it has successfully captured upcoming U.S. recessions roughly 80% of the time going back to 1971. Is it perfect? No model is, but the correlation is high enough that it would not make sense for us to claim that the next recession, whenever it arrives, will be in the 20% distribution not captured by the indicator. So why is the market down so much? Another way to phrase it is, why is the market forecasting such a high probability of a U.S. recession? As of the end of April, the S&P 500 returns, which were down 13% at the time, were forecasting a 35% chance of a U.S. recession in six months. But guess what is the, what is the degree of statistical confidence, i.e. the explanatory power for only the stock market signal, which, by the way, is also an input into our model. It's only 2%, which basically amounts to statistical noise. The power of the indicator lies in aggregating the 50 input variables, improving the degree of statistical confidence based on past data to 81% versus solely relying on the stock market as a predictor of future recessions with only a 2% degree of confidence based on past data. The indicator allows us to block the noise and to generate a meaningful signal that is actionable. So my answer to the original question would be that, taken in isolation, equity market price movements tell you little about the probability of a U.S. recession in six months' time. More precisely, they are not good predictors of it, even though they are necessary for one. If you wanted to make a statistical joke, you could say that 13% drops in the S&P 500 have predicted 100 of the last two recessions or something like that. And as this next chart shows, absent an imminent recession, one should not reduce volatility in portfolios because bear markets and recessions tend to overlap. Can you please show us the next graph? Now, is this general rule of thumb perfect? Again, the answer is no. There was one instance in 1987 where US equity markets fell by more than 20% absent an economic recession. That was the famous Black Monday 1987 stock market crash episode. You could maybe even also argue maybe Q4 of 2018 during the Trump-China trade wars, but I digress. But we should not position ourselves bearishly given those odds. In other words, we would bet that the next one will overwhelmingly be more like the other ones rather than the 1987 Black Monday bear market exception. You don't change the rules because of exceptions. No one knows his future for certain. All we can do is play the better odds. Now, let me end this note with a consideration that's actually going to push back against everything I just said. First, let us assume that we are right, though, that the macroeconomic fundamentals are so solid in the U.S. that a recession is not imminent. But let's say we are wrong in our assessment that inflationary pressures will ease enough during the second half of the year as pandemic dislocations subside and service consumption normalizes, at least ease enough that the Fed does not need to hike rates by more than what is currently expected by markets, which is a Fed funds rate of 2.75% by December 2022. 
In other words, let us assume that the Fed has already decided or will decide as more data come in that the only way to bring inflation back under control is to induce a U.S. recession. In fact, one could argue that sentiment is what has caused this most recent sell-off here. Well, if that is the case, then it still does not make sense to reduce volatility, i.e. make losses permanent now that the market has fallen so much already. During the 12 recessions in the country since World War II, the S&P 500 experienced a median contraction of 24%. With the index down approximately 18%, as I wrote this down late last week, the median downside would be limited as nearly 75% of the median fall has already been absorbed by market participants that were invested. The time to reduce volatility to raise cash was back in February, as we advised our more conservative clients in that month's CIO note before the Ukrainian conflict materialized and markets were much higher. The time for that has passed. Now we would actually advise our more conservative clients those with lower volatility tolerance, to stay the course until the three sources of uncertainty we mentioned earlier get clarified. But for our more aggressive clients, those with higher volatility tolerance, now would be the time to start buying markets or assets one finds attractive. Remember, corrections always feel healthy, normal, and necessary until you are actually in one. That is the moment when those aforementioned emotional and psychological responses kick in and people become fearful and make losses permanent. As long as an economic contraction is not in the offing, corrections tend to end only when many investors think the bear market has already begun. According to the latest investor surveys and my own meetings with clients, I would say that we are at or at least near that capitulation moment, although no one can say for sure. And once that last investor has finally given up and sold, that is usually when markets start to rip higher. Story this year so far has been mostly driven by the Fed, even though the Ukrainian war obviously turbocharged all the dynamics. And the market, or basically as the market is steadily sort of priced in more Fed tightening throughout the year, okay? But as occurred in late 2018, we might need a clear signal from the Fed that tightening risks are receding for that to be the catalyst that markets finally need to end what I think will be the last leg up before that long sought after recession finally hits us most likely in late 2023 or mid 2023 at worst. This presentation is for general information only and does not contain and is not to be taken as containing any securities advice, recommendation, offer, or invitation to subscribe for or purchase or redemption of any securities regarding Insignio. Information provided herein is not an offer to buy or sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any investment.